This episode is dedicated to my mom for being my biggest fan and to Jill for believing in me. Hello and welcome to The Story Attic. I'm your host, Lisa Ellis. On this podcast, I tell and share stories. Personal stories of love, triumph, despair, celebration, loss, resolve, and more. Often surprising, sometimes funny, occasionally wacky, frequently unusual, and always candid. Join me as I step into the story attic. If you enjoy the show, please follow the podcast. And if you feel generous, leave a kind review. Follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at The Story Attic. And for feedback or to pitch a story, email me at thestoryatticpod at gmail.com. Thanks and enjoy the show. I can say exactly where I've been to the brink and back again. I've reached the end to begin. Through the glass, the future's clear Beyond the doubts, in spite of fears Pushing past all the tears Breathing in the days and years It's time to break through the roof And put the past behind To live the dreams are stored away In the attic of my mind my parents' house has always been my home. I live in New Jersey now, and before this, in Chicago and Pennsylvania. But even after going away to college and a couple of moves around New York, I would always say that I was heading home when I was going to visit my folks. But my experience did have a shift a number of years ago and I realized that home can be many places. When I was about nine years old, I visited Puerto Rico for the first time with my parents and my brother. I believe it may have been my first trip on an airplane. Back then, flying on an airplane was a super fancy experience, even if it meant sitting in a large tube filled with cigarette smoke. There were magazines and crossword puzzles, and little food snacks and wrappers, and actual hot meals served on a plate. I'm sure being so young, I didn't fully grasp what to expect on the other side, but what I got, I recall very clearly. We were greeted at the airport by the outstretched arms of sweaty strangers, strangers to me anyway, who smelled simultaneously like fried food and coconuts. They were my father's family members, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, and cousins. Their embraces were warm and firm, They said Dios a lot, like a lot. Of course, growing up with Puerto Rican relatives, it wasn't my first time hearing Spanish or Spanglish, but it was the first time I felt engulfed in discomfort, but wrapped in a warm, fuzzy blanket at the same time. It helped that my mother did not speak the language, because while she was present, everyone spoke English to make her feel at ease. When I met two of my younger cousins, they were so petite and cute and caramely brown I felt like a large white blob. When I heard them speak, I felt even more inadequate. None of this was their doing. They were sweet, just giggly and playful and, you know, talking their native language. I participated by speaking a bunch of jumbly made-up words, which I insisted were Spanish, even though I'm fairly certain I only knew several actual words, like hola, pasteles, cucarachas, 
and my mom's only word, Mira, which had been turning heads in my house for as long as I could remember. On this trip, beyond the sunburn, hugs from relatives, and hearing that someone died on the beach from a shark bite, or was it the undertow? I'm not, I don't remember. But did stick with me was the little seed that was planted that someday I might like to live there. Before heading back to the airport, I purchased a painted conch shell at a souvenir shop. They say when you hold the conch shell up to your ear, you can hear the ocean, which I kind of did. But I also heard the faint whisper, Puerto Rico. I looked around and no one else seemed to hear it, so I thought it best not to tell the others I was now loca. After we returned home to Long Island, things went back to normal. But a year or two later, a storm happened that I don't think anyone could have prepared for. My complete and total obsession with being half Puerto Rican. Even if that half actually turned out to be a quarter, which is a story for a different day. But, I mean, I went all in. I should probably clarify that my version of being Puerto Rican was actually more New Yorican. I wore a gold necklace on a rope chain that said, Puerto Rican Princess. I practiced learning Spanish by buying El Diario, New York's newspaper in Spanish, and then looking up words in my Spanish dictionary, while also sneaking time to watch telenovelas. The real shit hit the fan when I got to junior high school and I enrolled in Spanish class. I mean, I was committed. And I actually started learning how to communicate, even if poorly. But moreover, I got the accent down pat which it turns out later would backfire. And then the real bomb, or shall I say, una explosión, hit, and everyone in my sphere became a victim. Menudo. Yes, you heard that right. For the next several years, I would wear pins, iron-ons, drag my mother to concerts, coerce my parents to drive me to a store in the city called Menuditis, or Menuditis, where I would spend their money buying useless paraphernalia. But the worst of all my fangirl crimes? I would enclose people in my room for hours upon end with my record player spinning only Menudo records on repeat over and over and over again. It was my own personal torture chamber. <laughs> I would like to hereby apologize to all of my many victims and hope that the PTSD has now gone away. And while BetterHelp is not a sponsor of my show, I'm a guess they could probably help. Actually, I do want to tell you about an awesome Etsy shop selling art and jewelry made from sea glass, mostly from Long Island. The shop is called Jesse Artistry, and you'll find a link to the shop in the show notes. I just bought the prettiest little Christmas tree ornament, and it came with a few extra ornaments for my tree. I won't say who, but one of you might be getting an ornament for a gift. The shop has beautiful handmade items for either yourself or someone you love. Listeners of the show get 15% off using code STORY15. Please support small businesses and visit Jesse Artistry, that's J-E-S-S-Y-A-R-T-I-S-T-R-Y, on Etsy today. Okay, back to the show. By the time I was 16 or so, I'd retired my giant gold nameplate and replaced it with a boyfriend and a double heart necklace. I started playing more Beatles, Stones, and Led Zeppelin LPs. My Menudo VHS tapes were moved to a box in the attic. But I kept up with the Spanish, and I never let go of the idea that someday I might be called to live there in Puerto Rico. 
wasn't something I thought about with any regularity, but it was there, just under the surface. Then, in February of 2004, about 25 years after my first visit to PR, I was working as a spa coordinator and massage therapist at Equinox Fitness, at the time the trendiest thing to reach Long Island since Entenmann's. My then boss walked into our tiny shared office space with a golden tan, fresh highlights, and the chipper peppy attitude one might expect, only from someone recently returned from a vacation in the winter. As she bounced into the office, she came right toward me, saying, I don't remember exactly, but something like, Oh my God, I can't wait to tell you about my vacation. I wasn't typically prone to envy, but I'd recently gone through a difficult breakup, and the January trip to Paris I'd taken was fun, but not without its alcohol-induced tears amidst the sightseeing. But as soon as she started talking, I realized that her motivation and enthusiasm was directed toward me, not in affront to me. She went on talking at a feverish pace about this hotel that she'd visited in Puerto Rico, how beautiful the property was, and what an amazing staff was there. She told me that this was a place that she and her very large extended family had been going to for years. It was then that her tone shifted slightly from exuberant to authoritative when she told me that she had gone to the spa there several times and that it just wasn't the experience she had grown accustomed to that the service level had gone down and the quality of the treatments was not of the caliber she remembered. So she replaced her sun hat with her business hat and sashayed straight over to the general manager to speak with him about her experience. At this point, while I was happy to hear about her lovely vacation, it was not obvious how it was relevant to me. And it was just then that she says to me, so I gave him your business card and I told him, you need to hire my spam manager to fix this around here and some other things that I can't remember in a Long Island accent. So I looked at her quizzically and I said, what? So she said, yeah, I told them that you needed to hire somebody to fix things, all the things that you've done here. And I told him he needed to hire you as a spa director. Sorry for my bad Long Island accent. After a long pause, I was somewhere between honored, excited, puzzled, and possibly offended. Of course, I can't remember my exact words, but I suspect it was something like, so you think I'm qualified to run a large spot in Puerto Rico and you want me to quit here and leave this job? And she squealed, yes! I was giddy and maybe even jumping while holding both of my hands together tightly in hers. Now, to put this in context, I had earned my massage license just about two years earlier and had been offered the job at Equinox after having been interviewed in someone's car. To be fair, the club was still under construction at the time. Once I started there, I was quickly asked if I was interested in becoming the spa coordinator after the car interview administrator decided it was not for her. I explained that I had no experience in this whatsoever, and with the same giddy excitement aforementioned, the GM said she didn't care because I had the personality for it. This spa was four treatment rooms, and I think eight staff members maximum. Since I didn't know what I was doing and was trusted anyway, I just followed my instincts in this role. I threw spa events in the lobby, I brought in new products, added some spa retail items, and made sure I nurtured and took care of the team to the best of my ability. Basically, I just had fun, and I guess it kind of worked because the spa was doing great. On the inside, I felt like I was faking it until I either made it or they figured me out and let me go. So when Jill brought this opportunity to me, frankly, I did not know what to make of it. 
That night, though, my inner voice spoke to me through the conch shell that is my ear and whispered, Puerto Rico. It wasn't until a few days later when my phone rang that things started to get real. At that precise moment, I was in a car driving in the snow up to New Hampshire to meet friends where I had patchy cell phone service at best. I was following chicken scratch handwritten directions while having a phone interview with a person who told me he was impressed by my ability to navigate the snow in a strange place while talking on the phone to someone about a job. Two weeks later, I was on a plane again flying to San Juan. But this time, the stakes were a lot higher. There were no warm hugs when I landed. Just a bus full of tourists heading on vacation to the place I was going to interview at for a job in which I was grossly underqualified for. Upon arrival, I was checked into a beautiful hotel room in Las Vistas with a view of the Caribbean. I strolled around the resort, seeing little iguanas everywhere and drinking in the lushness of the green plants and brightly colored flowers. Would this possibly become my home? It seemed surreal. The next morning, I was interviewed by a series of people, one after the other, all in English, thank God, because as one may have guessed, my use of the Spanish language, desaparación, after my menudo years were over. That means it disappeared. There was this one part of the application process that asked me numerous times in different ways whether or not I'd ever, would ever, or would even consider ever hitting someone at work who I might not agree with. That left me thinking, uh, what the fuck kind of people work here? That night, the man I'd spoken to on the phone, who was very American, and his roommate, an expat Brit, who also worked for the hotel, took me out to dinner. We sat for several hours together, dining and laughing, almost too comfortably, like old friends. When I left the next morning, I had no idea whether or not I would get the job, but for the first time in a while, I was beginning to feel peaceful and confident. I returned to New York, feeling hopeful that this little trip, regardless of the outcome, would change me going forward. Nearly two months later, after a little negotiating, a lot of consideration, and numerous going-away gatherings, I boarded a plane with a couple of suitcases and moved my life to Puerto Rico. At first, it was literally the scariest thing I had ever done. The spa had 25 treatment rooms, 32,000 square feet of space, and over 100 employees, my Spanish sucked, and I didn't know anything at all about spa software, PL reviews, budgets, and so on. I breathed a lot. I asked a million questions. I learned from others. I listened. But quickly, I began finding my tribe. Some of the nicest, most fun, interesting, supportive, loving people I have ever known. Friends from all over the world who opened their hearts and lives to me and showed me kindness where I could have just been alone. They helped me find a place to live, open a bank account, buy a car, go to the worst DMV in the world, took me on scuba diving trips, cooked me delicious dinners, threw wild parties, showed me the best beaches, cried and laughed with me time and time again. I traveled to New York fairly frequently, especially early on, and began to feel conflicted when I would tell people on my way to JFK back to San Juan that I was heading home. Yet I had said the same thing on my departure from San Juan. And then one day it hit me. I could feel at home in both places and still be true to myself and my people. I know they say home is where the heart is, 
but I think home is actually where your senses are. Warm embraces, arroz con habichuelas, lechona asada, gritty sand, concrete sidewalks, a pencil tower and a confounded roundabout, bumper-to-bumper traffic, and conch shells that whisper, Puerto Rico, and a mom that says, Mira. My first holiday season in Puerto Rico was weird, I won't lie. It was warm, breezy, sticky, but less sticky than the summer. But just when I thought there was no way I could spend a Christmas in the Caribbean, a parranda came to my door, which is kind of like a surprise party, but it comes to your house, with a group of friends and neighbors singing and playing music at your doorstep at a not necessarily desirable hour. You become an unwitting host of a party that arrived and doesn't leave until the booze is gone or the sun comes up. So much laughter, so many hugs, so much food, so much love. Yep, I was home. Feliz Navidad, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. This episode is dedicated to all my favorites who changed my life forever, including but not limited to John, Rosanna, Lisbeth, Delia, Jimmy, Carlos, Steve, Tommy, Betsy, Sophie, Justiana, Kathy, Martin, Carly, Karen, Bagisha, and last but definitely not least, Maricel. Thank you for listening to The Story Attic. If you're enjoying our show, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, hashtag The Story Attic. If you're not enjoying our show, don't tell us all. Catch you next time, and until then, remember to be kind, be real, lean in, and be fearless. Sometimes when I think back on every little thing I can say exactly where I've been To the brink and back again I've reached the end to begin Through the glass the future's clear Beyond the doubts in spite of fears Pushing past all the tears Breathing in the days and years It's time to break through the roof And put the past behind To live the dreams are stored away In the attic of my mind The attic of my mind Memories washing over me Little pieces adrift, I'd say Some weathered and some shimmering Together bound, together free It's time to break through the roof And put the past behind To the dreams are stowed away In the attic of my mind It's time to break through the roof And put the past behind To the dreams are stored away 
in the attic of my mind The attic of my mind The attic of my this little blooper moment with me and my mom you were talking about <laughs> okay go ahead and say no, don't make me laugh before i say this mira <laughs> wait wait i have to call her down first <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait i have to really call her down because when i start laughing i'm like i'm stopping okay wait wait i'm gonna have to <laughs> <laughs> Five minutes before I get this. Once I start laughing, it's hard for me to stop. <laughs> oh, yeah.